In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Use your lady things to jiggle. Use your man cash to wiggle. Come on, you can shake it. Yeah. Grab a drink with a crazy straw and suck on it. Anything goes in Paratopia. <laughs> and welcome. Hello? Hey, Jeff, it's Jeremy. Um, sorry, but I think you've got the wrong number here. <laughs> Jeff, are you doing that, that Angela Joyner voice again? That's hysterical. Jeremy, I'm the real deal. This is Angela Joyner. <laughs> Jeff, that's awesome. Listen, uh, who who's the guest for this week? You know, if Jeffrey is trying to impersonate me, he's got a long way to go to get on Saturday Night Live. Wait a minute, is this Angela Joyner? Yeah, this is Angela Joyner, and Don't! I... Well, that was embarrassing. How did I even dial that? I didn't think we were allowed to dial off the island. Huh. No, I dialed a nine instead of a seven. Yeah, well, we should have her on the show sometime. I should stop talking to myself. I should call Jeff. Uh, Jeff. Let's see. Wonder what he's up to. Probably dreaming of me. Who doesn't dream of me? Well, whatever he's dreaming of, we should probably crossfade to that instead of just listening to me blab on for the next minute. As I continue to dial his number here, this is taking a long time. I don't understand. In the great green room, there was a telephone <laughs> yeah. and a red balloon and a picture of a cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs, and two little kittens, and a pair of mittens, and a little toy house, and a young mouse, and a comb, and a brush, and a bowl full of mush, and a quiet old lady who was whispering hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. <laughs> Brandon, read it to me again. <laughs> Jeremy, what, what the hell are you doing? No, oh, hey, Jeff. What are you doing, dude? We got a show to do. Come on. What? Brandon, Brandon's, he's reading Goodnight Moon and cuddling with me under the stars. Jeremy, get up off the ground, leave Brandon alone, and let's go. We got a show to do, man. I can't believe this shit. What are you, this is ridiculous. Fine. Brandon, call me. Ah, looks like rain. Ugh, scary, man. Glad you got me when you did. You hear that? Uh, no. Wait, yes. There's something moving back there. Yeah, what is that? Quickly, walk a little faster, yeah. will you? Get the hell out of here. I hope Brandon's okay. To hell with Brandon. You never did like Brandon. Yes, I did. What? Wait, Jeff, what is that? Aliens are here to save us. Oh, shit. Ah! 
Jeff! Ah! This is every bad thing in ufology that we've ever talked about is right... Ah, is right in front of us, Jeff! Oh my god. Fucking run! <laughs> 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 we need to get some guns. Get in the hatch. Go, go, go! <gasps> Jeff! There was a secret UN meeting about UFOs. Yeah, it's all right. Jeff, uh, don't aim for the head, aim for the ass. ETH. ETH. Kill the ETH! I thought you killed that ages ago! Aim for the ass, they're full of shit, Jeff! Oh, extraterrestrial, you know. Jeff, I got one! I'm covered in shit. Greer, get out! I want to go. It's been your fraud. The Meyer case is oh, so real. You can't take it. Take it. Let's show him. Let's give him what for. I'll drone you. Behind you. I'm not in this for friends. All the friends I need Friends that. Yeah. Jeff, you're nine o'clock. Good shot, man. Whoop. It is without a doubt extra trial. Yeah, yeah, it's extra trial, extra trial. There it is. <laughs> Get him, Jeff. Got another one. We don't have technology that could do that. Yeah. I think we're okay. Are they moving off? No. You can't have comedy in a UFO podcast. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 comedy in threes, bitch. There it is. Uh, laugh at that, motherfucker. As long as Rinsman hangs around with Vandy, uh... Just get him. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't even let him finish a sentence. ETH. Please kill the ETH already. They keep coming back. one of them. Let's hope they don't come back. Jeff! Jeff, wake up! Uh, what? What? Jeff, you're drooling on the console. Come on, man. We got a podcast to do. Oh, I had such a horrible fucking dream. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. I had a dream. Uh, within a dream. Right. Within a dream. Huh. Man, it was really just horrible. Yeah, it sounds horrible. Sounds bizarre. Well, think of it this way. You're awake now and we get to live our lives in blissful imprisonment. No! <laughs> wow, that was impressive. Oh. Oh. So this is our twentieth right. episode there, the Jeff. Yes, it is. Uh that's pretty good, huh? 
Not bad. Yeah, no. Uh, a lot of people peak at uh, one, but we got 20 of them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... I made that you know, statistic uh, up, by the way, about a lot of people peaking at one. <laughs> it seems like it went really fast to me. Um, I'm sure not as fast to you because you edit everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, no, it's it's been a lot of uh, time. Yeah, I'm sure it has. And, uh, time well uh, spent. <laughs> fucking right. Yeah, woo, high five. So, you know... It, it 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 does. It seems like it went by really fast. It seems like only yesterday we were being chastised for doing a podcast together. Oh. <laughs> well, arguably it was yesterday. Because well, we're probably yeah. chastised no matter how long we're going to do this. Um, well, you know, we're we're two very questionable characters. It's true. It's very true. Uh, so what do you want to do here? Do we want to do a retrospective? Um, go down the list. Talk about. The guests from all 20 and what we learned or is that lame? Is yeah. that cool? You want to no, do that? No, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Do you, do you, do you have the list in front of you? <laughs> the list. Do I have the list handy? No, I don't is, is the short answer. <laughs> um, although I, I can get that really quickly if you'll. I mean, well, we've got episode one with Whitley Strieber, which yeah. uh, was our debut episode and, uh, Hey, who in the hell gets Whitley Strieber for episode one? That's right. Of a podcast. So that was, I think that was great. Um, but. Caught him at a bad time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he was a little under the weather. I think he was not particularly enthused with the way his life was going. And, uh, you know, these things happen. Right. But I still think it was a good show because he did kind of, I don't know, more or less give us what I think we've been feeling somewhat maybe around episode 18, 17, which was you feel like you're the purveyor of useless knowledge yeah, <laughs> or, or knowledge that no one wants to hear. Right. Uh, but nevertheless you feel is, is, is pretty important. It's so amazing to me what a polarizing character he is, you know? Um, yeah. And um, the, the one for whatever you're going to say about Strieber, the one thing that I just cannot buy is that he's in this for the money. And I still, to this day, keep reading that. The guy has to at least be a thousandaire, if not a millionaire. Uh, he's writing fiction books left and right. He's pumping them out. Yeah. Uh, some of them are getting turned into movies. Even if they don't get turned into movies, they get optioned to be movies, and that is money. He's been right. in movies. Uh, you know, he was in the um, remake of Witch Mountain. Wow. Okay. Um, so, you know, he's completely successful and doesn't need to do this anymore. And he still does. No, I don't think he does. Right. Yeah. I don't think he does at all. Uh, and I, he I spoke mean, at my thing for free and he told me he never charges to speak. Now, I know he's got his own little festival oh. that he charges for or whatever, but that's like a festival. <laughs> right. Right. So I don't buy this this whole, you know, well, he keeps doling out information to to make more money to more unsuspecting believers. No, I think it's more what he got at. On his uh, on our episode one, which is he does have this backlog of stuff that he's never shared with anyone, because when he did, he got his ass handed to him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I found it interesting that we bring up about uh, people like Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs holding back information that they feel that the general public isn't going to buy into because it's just simply too bizarre. And Whitley more or less said. 
you know, I've had a lot more experiences than what I've talked about publicly, and I don't bring up those things because no one's going to believe that because that's really out there. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> which, is, imagine, which is kind of funny to me, you know, Whitley Strieber saying that's a little too weird. Imagine, <laughs> if you will, a field, uh, you know, ostensibly a science, dare I say, they'd like it to be anyway, abduction research centered around people, and those people aren't allowed to even tell the researchers whose livelihoods depend on them their entire story uh, for fear of sounding outlandish, you know, to the very people that they should be placing their trust in. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is just a, it's a ridiculous situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I think that, if anything, Whitley is a good example of what can happen when you talk openly and honestly about, like he said, he's the anal probe guy. And that invariably comes up at any point in time when you're um, discussing him. Uh, I, I think it was the Bill Maher show that I recently saw. I don't know if he was recently on that or not, but I know he was on it with uh, uh, some skeptic douchebag. And uh, Really? Bill Maher? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a Bill Maher show. And that was like one of the big topics of conversation was that. And I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, don't bring that up to the man because he's already had enough of that. Hmm. Um, but, I mean, there's a prime example when you try to talk about this with 100% honesty. And, I mean, frankly, for me, Whitley is the person who inspired me to not hold anything back at all. Uh, and And even to talk about the stuff that doesn't seem to be inherently directed at the UFO stuff. In other words, the, the this seeming to be ghost stuff that, that I've seen. Let's put that on the table too, because, you know, the longer we're in this, we're seeing that, you know, these crossover type of things. Right. So, I mean, but he's a prime example. That's what happens when you talk about this with a hundred percent honesty and you're as open as you can be. You're immediately thought a fool, a fraud, a crank, you know, I, I get, he's always going to have my respect for that alone, that he did take that first initial step, um, in for the most part, very uncharted waters, uh, to, to, to do that. Mm -hmm. So he's got my respect for that. Yeah. Yep. Um, episode two was you and I just talking to each other. <laughs> yeah, they, they sucked. Uh, yeah. You know, so, uh, I find uh, Ritzman to be especially eloquent. <laughs> uh, Vaney, I don't know. He's more of a circus monkey uh, with a cigarette. Uh, sort of, you know, uh, I don't know. I find him to be highly questionable. And I feel that if Jeff got away from him, I might feel a little bit better about Jeff. But I really <laughs> question Ritzman's credibility hanging out with some fraud like Vaney. Jeff, now you're getting naughty. You're getting frisky. <laughs> Douchebags. <laughs> anyway. Tell uh, us how you really feel. Well, is that stuff still bugging you, huh? Well, yeah. It sticks I mean, in your craw. Um, well, you know what it smells like to me? It smells like the same old thing uh, from high school. You know, it's like, well, I don't like him because he hangs out with Bob, you know, and Bob's a douche. So, you know, if he didn't hang out with Bob, he'd be one of the cool kids. Well, fuck you. Um, that's, you know... That that all kind of harkens back to don't hang out with him. He smells, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so incredibly juvenile to me that I I can barely believe that it's, that that a grown man actually uttered something like that online or otherwise. Right. Um, 
so yeah, it still pisses me off, but I'm not bitter. Good, good. It's good to breathe, <laughs> breathe in the good, breathe out the bad. Right, right. I shouldn't let it bother me as much as I do, but when things get to that, you know, I don't, I don't care about anyone who says, you know, he's delusional or he's, you know, a jerk or, um, or whatever. I, but when it comes to that kind of that kind of personal attack stuff, I just I think it's right. it's just juvenile bullshit. So yeah. So well, what's interesting? And here we're talking about, of course, our uh, estranged relationship with Dave Biedney. Um And what what was interesting to me about that, um, just in terms of the public, is that so many people would email us and ask us, "Hey, hey, man, what the hell happened? Obviously, something happened, and you guys aren't talking about it." Um, and then, and we were like, look, we're not going to talk about it at all. So just don't worry about it. It's personal. It's personal. And they kept on, you know, like they really wanted to know. And then when finally it was like, all right, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to take this crap from them. Uh, here's what it is because I don't remember, I don't remember why I started dishing, but I, I think it was, um, I don't know. I don't remember why. I think B. Edney had said something mean in his forum and I responded, I may, or unless I'm making that up in my head to sound like the good guy, I don't, I don't remember. But for whatever reason, I, I did spill the beans, and then people um, were like, whoa, we didn't want to hear that. Like, they wanted to hear what they imagined, which was probably something along the lines of we had a fight or disagreement that right. from which there is a return. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was like there was a complete breakdown that, uh, you know, at least one party of the three didn't want to return from, you know? Right. Um. And I think when it gets to be that personal and that real and that, you know, not about this subject, but just about personalities and people um, like that, I, you know, suddenly everyone's like, oh, that's we don't want to know about that. You know, that, that you should have kept that to yourself. That's too much. It's like, well, what do you want? Yeah. Well, I mean, in all honesty, when I was talking a few minutes ago, I really wasn't thinking of him per se, but some of the people on a message board uh on their site, but, um, Oh really? Well, should I edit I mean, that? Um, no, I mean, it's okay. It, it's, um, well, you're talking about like Tommy Allison and, and Skylar and those morons. I wouldn't have, you know, it, yeah, you said the name, so I don't have to, but, um, you know, <laughs> but they're all of a I, mind. I, See, it doesn't matter because essentially they go after me because of what he's telling them about me. Right, right. So, so I, don't, I don't even know that it's necessarily their fault in 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 that, but other than just being a blind follower, right? Um, but you know, I, I, I'm not going to go too deep into the BNE thing because it's 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 pretty clear that uh, uh, at least to me, and from and this is strictly from my perspective, and really no one can say I'm wrong because this is my perspective of it. Um, it yeah, I, I feel that he's pretty much whitewashed me from um, any of the work that we did together. I always thought the work that we did together would stand uh, regardless of what our, you know, personal relationship was uh, of being friendly. Uh, I, I, I always thought more or less that, uh, you know, when we talked about stuff like O'Hare that, you know, in, invariably he would say, well, when Jeff and I were doing this or, um, something like that, even if it was said, you know, I, lo I no longer associate with Jeff, but, you know, here it is, and this is what we did. Instead, it's been this complete whitewash, um, which is kind of bothersome to me, 
um, largely because it's, it's for me it's just unprofessional. But um, you know, hey, that's that's the way it is. I asked to be removed from his bio um, and vice versa on his website. So uh, because frankly, uh, I've gotten more than enough comments directed at me, uh, kind of lumping he and I together in like mind, in other words, like anger and like uh, resentment of a lot of stuff. And that's true. We are of almost like temperament in a lot of ways, but uh, I'm certainly not, you know, the attack dog when it comes to a lot of stuff. And I think people have seen that on this show. Well, yeah, you don't self-sabotage professionally. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, I'm a little, you know, I'm, I'm put off because of the, the, the complete whitewash, uh, even of the work. And, um, and it, it seems that like, you know, in, in relation to the O'Hare thing that, um, it seems to get brought up a lot that, you know, well, he was in the NARCAP report and this, that, and the other. Well, so was I big deal. It's one case. It's one report. Um, and, and, and I have to be honest and say that, you know, in, in the grand scheme of that whole case, um, I don't, I don't say that either of us doing what we did played a huge part in that investigation, but um, uh, it seems to be kind of put forth a lot, um, you know, the the involvement. And it, it, you know, again, it's just another case, and I've had plenty of them o- over the past, you know, well, be twenty one years this year. Um, so it's. It's special in the sense that a lot of people paid attention to it, but I don't know. I, am I, I just feel like maybe it's kind of being overstated, um, that involvement, and like that lends some kind of, of uh, I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. Kind of like it, it's just, it's kind of overplayed, you know? Um, and uh, hey, you know, I mean, it, it was an important case, and I guess maybe the reason it's being brought up a lot is that it's, still fresh. It's still relatively new mm-hmm. and, uh, and all that. But, uh, I just, I, I don't know. The, the part about being wa- whitewashed from it kind of bothers me. Right. Um, and I don't mind saying that publicly. I, I, I really don't, but, um, that's, that to me is disappointing in a professional sense. But I mean, what happened personally, you know, I'm not even going to talk about it cause that's just, uh, it was ridiculous. It was a ridiculous situation. So, uh, but that's done and we're moving forward, which is good. That's always the way to go. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're <laughs> moving forward by, by still talking about it half a year later. No, no. I mean, we, I, I think, you know, 20th, this, this happened within the span yeah. of 20 shows, right. you know I mean? I think it's relevant to what people, and I don't still to this day, I don't think people know the whole story um, about all that. And I'm certainly not going to be the one to do that, but um yeah, you know, we're moving on from here, and this is the time to kind of put things to bed. Right. Twenty episodes, we're you know, in the next twenty episodes, we'll put whatever happens between now and then to bed. So, All right, Paul Kimball. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Paratopia, episode three, Doctor Gregory Matloff. Um, NASA, not the most not the most exciting episode for me. Mm. Um. I found the work that he's doing on the solar sail really interesting. Uh, however, I felt like um, Dr. Matloff was holding back on his own experiences a little bit 
um, uh, you know, the whole thing about being hearing his name called when he was on his bike or something. Right. Um, you know, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I think there might've been more to all that yeah. than, uh, than we were told. But, uh, and of course him mentioning that other scientists have had similar experiences to that, um, is pretty, pretty interesting. So, yeah, I mean, you don't, how do you go from hearing your name called on a bike to associating that with UFOs? Well, and then and, and throwing that in line with the work you're doing now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think there was more to that. I don't, I just don't think he was comfortable talking about it and that's fine. But, but at the same time, um, he was willing to talk to an extent about it. And, uh, you know, here it is again. It's like, well, gee, how do you get Whitley Strieber to be your, your number one episode? And then the next guest is this, you know, uber credible person coming on who works yeah. with NASA and, and, uh, how do you, you know, is basically talking about his own experiences as well. So I think like that's a coup in itself, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately whether the uh, episode was interesting or not. Um, just the f- it was still good. I, I think it was still interesting and it was good to have somebody like that on a show like yeah, this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the fact that we had him on at all, I think is great, Yeah, you know, and that he was willing Absolutely. to tell us anything about his personal stuff because right. from what I hear, <laughs> there are a lot of people at NASA who have experiences that won't talk about them. Exactly. Um, episode four, Bill Burns, we got him to talk psychology for a while and then he dipped into the skull stuff, which you didn't like. Yeah. <laughs> but up until then, it was uh, pretty good. <laughs> no, I mean, I, th- I thought it was all good. I mean, you know, Bill Burns is another guy that's, continuously marginalized because of what you see on TV. And uh, I think the guy is, is knowledgeable about a lot of things. I come to different conclusions than he does uh, or, well, I should say no conclusions where he does seem to come to some conclusion about things, but um, you know, we can disagree on that stuff, but that's okay. I mean, you know, not everybody's going to think the same things, but uh, I think a lot of people have a, have given him a bad rap because of what they see on TV. And I don't think that that's necessarily Bill Burns. I think that that's TV filtered Bill Burns. Well, that's also, well, I think we showed that on the show, you know, talking to him about psychology and all these other things, very intelligent man. And, um, certainly not what we think of when we hear him speak. Right. And, um, yeah, I mean, people have the mistaken impression that he is, producing that show and that he has some say in, you know, I'm sure he has some say to some extent on how he's presented, sure. but really not the way you think, you know, um, certainly not in terms of editing. I mean, you know, I've had private conversations with him right after a show where he's like, you know, and they better not edit out this, or I can't believe they edited out that, you know, that was the most important thing. Um, so, you know, he's not in charge of any of that stuff. And, um, Ultimately, it's a TV show where you have three personalities, and if you're going to make them interesting at all, you have to sort of make them characters. So you got to have the crazy guy, you got to have the skeptic, you got to have you know the middle of the road guy. And unfortunately, Bill drew, drew the short straw and became the crazy guy. What are you going to do? <laughs> and he and he and he hams it up because he comes from vaudeville. You know, like there is the showmanship stuff. Sure, and I, I think sure. there, there, you know, there's room for criticism of that, I guess, because we all want a UFO show to be completely real because, you know, we all care about this topic. But, you know, 
God, that's hard to do, you know? There's something about TV well, that just caters to explosions and dumbed-down shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why come they don't have explosions in <laughs> UFO Hunters? Why come? Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, let, let's, let's really dial UFO Hunters back and look at the premise of doing a show that... For me, when I first heard about it, was a spinoff of Ghost Hunters. Right. You can't do a Ghost Hunters, UFO Hunters type episode with with, with UFOs. You, you, it doesn't work. There is too much work to do. It takes too much time. Uh, most of it is thoroughly boring, mind-numbingly so. Um, I don't think people would find it very interesting at all. Uh, unless you've got a case like O'Hare and you are on the scene within hours of it happening. Uh, you just can't do that in a TV show about UFOs because it just doesn't work. Unless you've got a place like Gulf Breeze where stuff is routinely cited all the time uh, or, or Pine Bush, New York, which I was a little surprised they didn't get to in the show this season. Right. Um, but if you've got something like that, you could stake it out for three or four days and see if you can get, get anything on tape. Um, whether or not that's going to be – that's able to have a show built around it, I don't know. But the very premise of doing it just doesn't seem like it's going to work from the get-go. Um, it, it's, it's not a <laughs> – it's not a phenomena that you can – say, yeah, let's go to this place and there's stuff going on there and there's stuff going on here. It's not like Ghost Hunters where you have these things in a localized area. Right. This is fleeting stuff. So I think that from the very get-go, it was, it was pretty hard to build a show around something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I get the feeling that there's a whole bunch of, you know, inside politics and all that and things where, you know, certain producers don't really don't care about much other than making money and, no, you know, yeah. whatever. It's TV. I mean, in the end, it's TV. And I, I feel like um, for whatever his faults, you, you can't really pin all of this on Bill Burns. It just no. doesn't work that way. No. I think he is the perceived leader, though, when it comes to that. And people think, well, if he's the head honcho on this show, he must be calling the shots. And that's not the case, obviously. Right. Well, and then the other thing that people picked on was, like, his glasses and all this. And I thought, you know, it was just sort of his way of um, – you know, marketing himself. It's like, oh, I'm that dude with the flight jacket and the glasses. But it turns out, you know, not only did he have bad eye problems in the beginning, and people would make right. fun of him for blinking, so they put on the glasses. But they had actually originally asked him to keep the glasses on because he used the glasses in that UFO file show, I think it was. Right. And um, so the show actually asked him, will you, for continuity's sake, keep wearing the glasses? Yeah, it's a recognizable feature. Yeah, and, yeah. but then once again, it's like he gets crapped on for it and it's like you know what who cares at that point you know what are people complaining about if that's the worst thing you have to complain about is somebody wearing glasses or you know blinks too much it's like jesus christ this field is completely screwed up yeah well well yeah um but yeah again i mean you know i I think he has a lot to offer i think some of his ideas are out there and i don't agree with them but i right in other respects i think um and he is a showman, you know, but I don't care. I guess I guess I, I'm really forgiving of that. I'm a showman, or I, I like to think I am. I, I like to try to be, you know. I understand that uh, presentation is probably the key that's missing in ufology. Um, you certainly got the facts and stuff like that, or the pseudo-facts. 
yeah. we really need presentation. Um, so, you know, I, I forgive that stuff. That's just me, I guess. Yeah. Um, episode five, Reagan Lee. Oh, that was, that was good. Um, I had read her blog for a couple of years and, uh, I, I think at that point was, I think it was, was sometime towards the end of doing culture contact when someone put the McKenna UFO lecture on your message board there. And I listened to it just on a lark and, uh, and man, that just literally reinvigorated me in this whole field. And, hmm. um, uh, it really did. I mean, at the time I was, I was just like, yeah, I'll, you know, let's, let's do a UFO podcast and, and, but let's try to do ghost stuff and let's try to do other things besides UFOs because frankly, it's getting really kind of fried out. I wasn't having any experiences whatsoever that I could talk about. Um, meaning none at all. Um, and that kind of reinvigorated me into, Hey, here's a possible thread that I've never looked into at all. And, uh, and in that lecture, which I think a lot of our listeners have already listened to, which was, you know, his description of a, of a smoke DMT experience, um, you know, Reagan mentioned a lot of things in her own experiences that seemed to really fall in line with things that Terrence were talking about, like, uh, you know, the, 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 the small round furry ball she called wolves, I think, mm-hmm. um, uh, being around her bed and, and, and chattering blindly and, uh, you know, all of this stuff really correlates back to McKenna's smoke DMT experience where he talks about these, these, uh, uh, elf like beings he calls tykes and, uh, and they do mostly the same thing. And, and later on, which was really kind of weird. I, I was listening to another or reading something I think Terrence had written about the tykes and he had apparently done DMT multitudes of times to, to where he became very familiar with the experience and familiar with these beings that he encountered in that experience. And, uh, he said, you know, I, I grad- gradually began to see them as sort of like having that used car salesman kind of attitude. And, uh, they were funny and they seemed friendly, but I wouldn't turn my back on them. And, uh, and that's how Reagan described these little wolves, these little round balls of fuzz, that surrounded her bed at night. So, I mean, all those things I found really interesting. That's when it really started to click for me that, Hey, this is, there's, there's something here. What, it, whether or not it's the, you know, the end to an answer, I don't know, but it's, it's definitely, there's definitely, you know, threads that connect so perfectly that you can't ignore them and you can't just blow them off and not study this mm-hmm. as, any ufology has, has anybody in ufology has not done at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, Graham Hancock being one of the select few, I think that is kind of directed it in that direction, which is a good thing. Uh, I like that show. I, I, that was, yeah, it was time. fun. I, I, you know, I've always liked Reagan, um, a lot. <laughs> I just, um, <laughs> uh, there's something about someone who has all of these experiences. Who's, like, mm, I'm not going to say I'm an abductee, so screw you. <laughs> that I like, yeah. you know? Right. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think she also sort of opened me up to the possibility of um, somehow Bigfoot being a paranormal creature as opposed to a normal one. Uh, 
ultimately, I don't know what the answer to that is, but obviously, but, um, but I'm open to it. I'm open to the possibility. Yeah. Um, Paratopia episode six, Ted Rowe, Narcap. Man. Was I high that night? Uh, <laughs> what, you don't remember it? <laughs> I do and I don't. Um, I think I have to preface this by apologizing to either guests and or listeners <laughs> because, because uh, I probably, I, I don't know if I've talked about this or not on the show, but I have the most bizarre sleep patterns of anyone that I know. I shock. I would, you know, yeah, I, I was getting up at like, uh, Oh, 10 o'clock in the morning and going to bed at, Three, which usually meant by about the time we were going to record the show, I was kind of like, <gasps> so, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm changing my life now and I'm getting my, my sleep patterns and my eating habits in fine order. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of numb about the Ted Rowe episode. No offense, Ted. I, I just, I'm, I'm having trouble remembering what we talked about. Well, I know and, you talked and, to... and I've talked about stuff with Ted publicly that I'm not supposed to talk about. <laughs> right. Well, you, you And I'm afraid I'm going to say You something. did talk about the O'Hare case. Yeah. Um and Ted talked about um you know, various good UFO sightings or UAP sightings. Yeah. Around the world, I think the British airliner one, you know, with the giant mile-wide right. craft and all that fun stuff. Yeah, it's funny because I've been right. talking to him uh, quite a bit recently and, and, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I know I'm like sworn to secrecy on stuff and it's like, okay, well, I don't remember what's yeah. what either really. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about the O'Hare case probably more than, than, uh, than anything else, if I remember right, or, or we spent a good chunk of time on it. I mean, those guys at NARCAP did scads of work on that case and, um, and, and that case, you know, despite its negative connotations for me, kind of is still incredibly fascinating that, um, and, and you know, you know, Kimball and, and, you know, the issues with that aside, he did bring up a valid point to me in our argument on the culture contact board way back when you had him on there. And, and he alluded that the O'Hare case was a hoax. And, uh, uh, and he saw that as, you know, this, this, big possibility and, and this know, would be Paul Kim. He wasn't really, yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't real impressed with the NARCAP report and this, that, and the other, when he says exactly the opposite, you know, some weeks ago on another show, um, he did bring up a valid point, which is why haven't we seen any more photographs out of this case? Why haven't we seen any video? This thing was up there from, you know, 15 minutes and we've got one picture that seems to have been altered. Although I'm not, sure I'm in total agreement with that, but I see the point to a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, it is a little weird to me because uh, the witnesses that I spoke with uh, firsthand told me there were a lot of people in the international parking lot with cell phone cameras, with handheld digital cameras. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I really don't have a good answer for that. I know that this wasn't a hoax just by virtue of how the, the 
the witnesses described it. And these were people that could not possibly have known each other. Mm. And they all described in minute detail the surface of this craft as they saw it from the bottom. Uh, that you just, it's too dumb to make up. Uh, and it smells just like this phenomena. It's, it, it really has that feel about it, that bizarre quality. What do you mean too it. dumb to make up? Well, the, <clears throat> the one lady that I spoke with, uh, uh, and I spoke with three, two men and, and one woman. And, uh, uh, the woman described it to me. I said, well, what was the bottom of it like? And she said, well, it was very camouflage-like. It was almost, at times, hard to see. She said, but when you could see it clearly enough, the bottom of it looked as if it was covered with gnats, meaning all sorts of little bugs crawling around all mm -hmm. over it. Um, and I said, more or less like a static quality, like a static TV picture. And she says, yeah, but much, much finer than that. Um and both the other witnesses said exactly that same thing. Hmm. They said that it appeared to have a very camouflage-like quality, a very silver reflective color, but it was also dark. Um, they had uh, – the one gentleman had the, uh, the thought that if you were above this thing uh, or on even playing field with it, you probably would have a very hard time seeing it. Hmm. Um, so – uh, and and the way it left, I mean, everybody pretty much described that wherever they, I mean, one man was on a street corner looking at this thing from some distance away, but he still saw it, and uh, and so did a lot of people around him. Uh, the the female that I spoke with, she was like I said in the international parking lot, and she said people screamed when it left, hmm. uh, and something that I'm not sure is in any report. Uh, but she also mentioned being the closest one that I spoke with uh, to the object. She said that there was a decided static charge that seemed to precede it leaving. Uh, so all those things are really interesting. Uh, I do think something significant happened. I do think it's probably associated with this phenomena. But could it be some sort of top secret thing gone awry? Could be. You know, I find it curious that, you know, we don't have, you know, over a post 9-11 air, airport, major international airport, an unidentified, an unidentified object shows up in the sky and nobody comes to check it out. Right. Not a, not a Harrier, not a F-16. Did Ted find a, that weird? Uh, I don't remember what Ted said about it, but, you know, there's two ways to look at that. Either they know what it is and they say, well, there's nothing we can do about it, so what's the point? Uh, and if we go up and we send... I think what Ted said, if I remember correctly, was if we send jets up after it, we're acknowledging that it's there. Uh, and that's not something that they want to do. Uh, and the other the other half of it is it's, it's ours, and uh, we know it's there. We're trying to get it out. <laughs> mm -hmm. So don't call attention to it by buzzing it. Uh, you know, either way, it's, it's weird. And... Uh, and my answer is, if we have technology that can do that, that can rip a hole in a cloud, uh, why are people still dying in air, airline disasters? Right. <laughs> you know. Um, All I know is Jeff. He just moved into a uh, a three bedroom gated community apartment mm -hmm. in uh, the Big Island in Hawaii. 
and has invited yeah. me over, so I will probably take a year off to go live in Hawaii. No. Rocking. Not not really, yeah. but but That's man, great. I can't wait to go back to Hawaii. Yeah, I'm dying to go. Uh, I gotta you got to get on a plane, damn it. Yeah, I'll get there. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm going to Egypt at some point in my life, so I'm gonna have to get on a plane to do that. So, um, that's always been a, a target goal of mine in my life is to see the Great Pyramids. Yeah, before they're done. Right. Episode seven, Doctor Dennis McKenna. That little episode, a. Wow. Eh? Yeah, that one. Still our number one rated show, the most downloaded, the most listened to. Um. Well over, I think, 4,000 listens now. Something ridiculous. Um, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's a great show. Uh, I mean, what do you say about talking to that I was guy? shocked, it, though, to see people on the forum saying, this is the best episode of any paranormal show ever. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, awesome. I still, I st- you know, I still think that, that – uh, uh, true hallucinations and uh, uh, invisible uh, visible landscape uh, and uh, the spirit molecule by Strassman are still the three most important books written on this subject inadvertently ever. <laughs> um, and, and to be able to talk with Dennis, uh, you know, a guy who was there uh, with Terrence in La Chirera and, all of this, these things going on, uh, that was just a treat beyond belief. I was shocked that I could even write him directly. Uh, I just spoke with him about a week ago uh, through emails. I sent him a, a book that I saw online about uh, mushroom art that I thought he might find interesting. And uh, we are going to be doing another show with him. We're unsure when because when I wrote him last time, he was getting ready to go – somewhere in South America to do research and <laughs> researching uh, quotes. <laughs> uh, no, no, I think he really was. Um, but, uh, uh, we plan or we're, we're going to try to do a round table with, uh, uh, Dr. Luna, Dr. Fresca, Dr. McKenna and Dr. Strassman, which will be the be all end all, uh, round table for that, kind of facet of research on this stuff. So um, if we can make that happen, that's going to be astoundingly awesome. Uh, so I, I, I don't even know what you could possibly ask these guys that would make you sound like an idiot, but well, that's why I think uh, we need to do this stuff before we go. Uh, I completely agree. Um, that's uh, the only way I could possibly think that I'd have anything to contribute is to say abductee took the shroom the same thing or it isn't right <laughs> uh yeah I, I mean there i don't think there's any way around it um i really badly want to tell you something but i i'm gonna wait i'll hold off um thanks i'll, I'll hold off oh, i'm sorry I said that. <laughs> we can edit that out if you want no but... no i don't want to edit anything damn it <laughs> uh, okay um yeah, we'll 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 talk later. Uh, but um, yeah, I think if we can make that happen, I think it's going to be a great show, and I think that we'll. Uh, um, I, I'd really like to find out from Doctor Strassman what's going on with the film that he was going to do. Is it out? I I don't know if it's out or not. I haven't seen anything about it. 
But are you uh, talking to yourself? No, I'm saying the <laughs> film that he was doing. That's what I want. That's what I want to ask him. About. You're like asking and answering uh, your own question. I mean, I haven't seen it anywhere, so I'm just curious. I'm okay. okay Never mind. <laughs> it's getting late. Uh, yeah, episode eight, George Hansen and the Trickster Theory. Magicians, gay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, podcast? Yeah. Podcasting's gay. Uh, <laughs> like the Trickster. Right. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. As much as, I mean, when I went to pick Jeremy up from the bus station when he came for a visit... We were talking about George Hansen and uh, a little bit about what he actually has to say and more about how he says it. And then we (laughs) just started falling apart laughing. I was laughing so hard that I was crying. And uh, and I think that was before we did the episode with him. (laughs) And uh, and then when we spoke with him, I was I was moderately intrigued with what he had to say. Now here's the weird part is that, uh, uh, as time has gone on, I have found George Hansen and everything that he said on our show to be so true. It's sickening. Um, and he is a brilliant man. Uh, I, I mean, he's done a crap load of research on this stuff. And, um, you know, every corner I turn in this stuff, I see another thing, uh, to throw on the pile that he said, you know, people, uh, you know, we always talk about how people go crazy in this stuff after a while and they seem to just go off the deep end. You know, this is something that he talked about that is in connection with, this is how all paranormal stuff works. Every person that you come across out there, um, he, he said he could pretty much pick out the train wrecks, you know, before they even happen. Um, you know, the, the whole more wrinkles in reality as, you know, um, the economy and all of these things get worse and, and, and people stress more. And I've seen that uh, looking at the people who are between things. Uh, I mean, we're not going to bring up the absolute issue but you know eric from newsphere wrote us a pretty interesting experience that he had and again i asked him uh are you in kind of between things is your life changing dramatically right now oh my god yeah you know i'm starting this job and it's that and the other blah 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 so yeah he fit right in line with that um and just you know when you when you talk to george it's it's always interesting to me now to go back and listen to that episode because he's so goddamn right about so many things about this that you never seem to really think about. Um, and, uh, and, and he's a brilliant guy for being able to pick that stuff out. I mean, it's, it, it is true. And don't ever forget. It's not about the why <laughs> that's not a good question to ask. <laughs> Jeremy, you're kind of retarded. Anyway, Jeffrey, I'll address <laughs> you from now on. <laughs> I mean, I just, I really, I, we got to get him back yeah. on uh, because he is, like I said, I, I'm astounded at the things that he's picked out and, uh, and they're true. I mean, as bizarre as they sound. And we'll just go down the list of people like Dolan. What do you think? 
You think Dolan, like what? What are the uh, what are the Vegas odds on Dolan going nuts? You know. Um. I don't. I don't think so. But no, I'm not asking you. I mean you him. Know, like, could could we pick people uh, well, who seem to be uh, astute researchers? Um, can he pick them as going crazy? Would he say to us, "Oh yeah, Dolan's got two years before he's nuts," or would he say, <laughs> "Dolan is completely rational and will be just fine"? Yeah, I don't know if he'd say that publicly or not. Um, I think he would. I think uh, he's I that know. kind of guy. He would just blurt it out, you know. Well, you know, he's only he's only telling you the the truth as he sees it, and uh, I don't know, I don't know. I I'd, I'd be curious to to hear him name names about stuff. I mean, he certainly uh, tore that whole what Linda Cortile thing in the right. ass. Yeah, so I mean, he had uh, no problem walking right up to me at that conference where I met him and and saying, uh, you know, the problem with you and Dave Biedney and Jeff is, you know, and then and then right. explaining to me what the problem with this is. Well, you know what? He's probably right. Well, he was right. He said that the that the thing that we were railing against in terms of, uh, you know, wanting oversight in ufology or something along those lines is that the 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 phonies and the hoaxers and the crazies are all part of the tapestry that's inherent to ufology. You can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a part. It's all yeah. part of the thing, the trickster thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's not to say that aliens are controlling hoaxers, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, that was there was two brilliant guys right back to back, Kent McKenna and uh, and Hanson. That was there was two great shows. I really enjoyed those. And then we went right into yet another brilliant show, Ted Phillips. Oh, God. Marley Woods. Yeah, I mean, there's a guy that. Uh, Busts his ass on this stuff, and and he he deserves every bit of praise and credit that he gets. Um, uh, and we and we raised a total of one hundred seventy eight dollars for it. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Uh, sorry, Ted. We'll do. If better, you say it enthusiastically, it sounds like we raised a lot. We raised one hundred seventy eight dollars for Ted. No, it doesn't work. Have a beer, Ted. Um, You're welcome. Yeah, I mean it's um. That's a that's a really wild case, Marley Woods, and uh, and and thank God that you know somebody like Ted is working on it, not somebody like Greer. Um, uh, I I'm not sure. Are we allowed to talk about the thing with the hood of the car that he mentioned? Yeah. Um. He, he, he said he forgot to mention it, and he doesn't routinely mention this, but it's very weird that. And I'd have to go back and listen to the show again, but I think he said that something had touched a woman's hood of her car uh, and left a, a a residue. And he said, you know, it was it was reminiscent of swamp water and that kind of thing, which is, you know, tongue in cheek to that sardonic humor of this whole thing. Uh, swamp gas, you know, right. swamp residue of some sort. But what I found to be really weird and what... Uh, what I told my wife about after the show was over, she's like, Oh, come on. Uh, she said, uh, he said that, uh, the, 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 a good portion of the makeup of this stuff was carrots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what eats carrots? Wabbits. Where do the rabbits go? Uh, Alice in Wonderland's hole. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, well, my friend uh, Harold um, Egeln, who we've got to do a show with, you've got to, I mean, I, uh-huh. I've told you, he's he's the yin to your yang. He's, if you were positive about this stuff and not fearful, that you would be Harold. Right. Uh, but his whole right. thing is Alice in Wonderland imagery. Um, yeah. I think he's got a, he's got a, an ongoing, I guess it's a newsletter slash online book that he's got going. I think it's called like down the rabbit hole or something like that. Um, huh. but yeah, I mean, a lot of his experiences, there's that stuff. There's something about rabbits always comes up, you know? <laughs> it's funny. I mean, and, and, and again, we find that, uh, uh, someone in Marley Woods had, <clears throat> excuse me, had, um, mentioned hearing chattering voices, just gibberish, which again, loans back to the whole DMT tykes and, uh, and, and Reagan's chattering little wolves, um, which I, again, I found that bizarrely interesting. And I forwarded, uh, you know, the, the, the book titles to Ted to read. So I'm not sure if he's got to those yet. We'll ask him when we have him back on. Um, and he's going to be return guest again. So, um, cause we've got to follow up with him and we have to do another, uh, we're going to do an auction this time rather than a raffle. <laughs> I think auction could work yeah. better. Um, but yeah, we want to try to get more money for Ted to do what he has to do. And, and, uh, and his, I, we just recently sent his check off. So yeah, I, it was a great mm-hmm. show. Really great. Great to hear about current things going on right then and there. Yep. And then followed up by one Debbie Jordan who wanted to tell us things that she could not tell about Hopkins. Although I don't really remember getting to a whole lot of those. I think what she thought was high strangers and what we thought were high strangers were different things. Like she thought being yeah. possibly pregnant by aliens was high strangeness. And although that, that is, <laughs> it's not what we mean by it. Um, yeah. So what did, what did you make of her? what did you think? Oh, I like her. Um, she's very nice. Um, yeah, I like Deb a lot. She's a good person. Um, yeah, she definitely is. Um, I don't know. I get hung up on terminology and, and I, you know, like I said, when we, when we did that show, I think she said some things that just kind of lent me that new agey way, but you say she's not really like that. Um, I don't know. It was, it was, uh, it was an interesting show to a point. I, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of, unsure where she is with all of it. Like, I mean, with Bud, I, I can't even remember. Was she hypnotically regressed by him or not? She was, but she said that her, she said really what happened was she would go to these hypnosis sessions and it wasn't like she remembered stuff under hypnosis then. It's like it would jar her memory and then later she'd be yeah. in the kitchen and have a flashback and suddenly it would all like come flooding back, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But she said that the majority of her know. experiences, uh, she remembered as they happened like you do. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I I, uh, I don't know. I guess I got a hard time kind of judging that whenever Hopkins is involved with regression, I guess I have an issue. I don't know. It's probably just a hang-up. Um, uh, very nice lady. So she has definitely had some weird crap happen to her. But I think a significant uh, interview overall in that she was willing to come on. Here is the poster child for Bud Hopkins and hypnosis. And absolutely. while on the one hand saying, yes, you did a lot for me therapeutically and I will always be grateful. Uh, there is a limit to what 
um, I could do, I could talk to him about, you know, once again, right. you can't trust your therapist or whatever researcher, I guess, pseudotherapist. Um, right. And also felt abandoned by him. I don't remember, if, I don't know if you remember that part, but. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like he was done with her and whether that was just his schedule didn't permit or whatever. Um, it gets yeah. to what somebody else had been talking about that you can't have. I, I don't remember who, but I'm sure I'll remember once we get to them <laughs> that you can't have a um, a researcher slash therapist. You should either be a researcher or you should be a therapist, <laughs> but right. you can't do both. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know. It, you know, it, it kind of comes down to when Bud got all he thought he could get into a book, he was pretty much done. Right. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think that speaks to pretty much where his, his points lay, so. <laughs> oh. uh, let's see. <laughs> Episode 11, Philippe Mora. Now that was fun. What a great guy. Yeah, what a great guy. And, uh, and told us some really interesting stories about uh, filming communion, uh, like the guy on the plane and all that kind yeah. of stuff. I mean, that's that's shit you're not going to hear, you know, anyplace else. Um, uh, I think that uh, I think it was a good interview, and I think that uh, it seems to me that he's really interested in all these topics. Like he's doing the movie on remote viewing now and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, and uh, and it's great because he's kept in touch. And uh, and that's good. Yeah, he wrote to me today, actually. And, yeah, I mean he's he's a great guy, and uh, and he's gonna he's gonna arrange for us to meet Eric Clapton. <laughs> keep keep trying. He just doesn't keep know trying. It <laughs> he wrote to me today. He he is um, his older documentaries, um, Swastika and um, Can You Spare Spare a Dime, Brother Man, or whatever that is. Um, right. Are getting um, re-released on fest, you know, can and various festival circuits. So, yeah, that's exciting for him. He's a he's a true artist. I mean, you know, he, from the meat sculpture to communion. <laughs> that's right, and it's completely willing to play himself <laughs> as an asshole in a stage reading of communion. I mean, that oh, to me yeah, is is a yeah. coup. <laughs> that was funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a really great guy, and. Uh, and he's and he's damn interesting. He's a hell of a interesting yeah. life. So, yeah, I'm sure he has stories forever and ever. Oh, galore. Uh, let's see, episode twelve, Norio Hayakawa. Wah wah wah. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I wasn't that into that. Um, again, a very nice man, but um, I don't know. It it it, it really. <laughs> It really didn't come out towards the end of the towards the end of the interview when we realized that he was pretty much playing this dulce thing to kind of get the attention of people to kind of talk about the Jacques Vallée area because that's really where it seems his interests are with this stuff. Um, it's kind of like you know attracting the fringe to. I don't, I don't know well, what that was Well, but see, it's weird about, because... It's really kind of undefined to me. You know, Don Ecker on another forum uh, said that Norio Hayakawa is this, uh, you know, has always been sort of a paranoid kind of freakish guy or whatever, delusional maybe, something. But, you know, one of the bad ones. Mm. And he didn't come off that way at all in, in our thing. But then I was... Re and so I thought Don Ecker was out of his mind, except that I then picked up a book that I, I'd stopped reading a while ago and the chapter that I started back in on 
uh, was about these uh, sort of delusional, paranoid things in Norio, and it was a big interview with Norio Hayakawa, and he was saying the exact stuff that uh, that Don Ecker had you know attributed to him. And so now oh. I really don't understand. I mean, did he just give that stuff up for valet style thinking? I mean, maybe that's uh, what it is. I don't know, I don't know but uh, it was completely. You would not think that it was the same guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, I I don't know what to make of that whole interview. I mean, it was just uh it was just weird. I mean, it it's, it seems pretty cut and dry to me that, you know, if there is something in Dulce, it's it's got a, a lot of I don't know, officially generated lore around it to keep people away. And that seems to make the most sense to me and then at the same time he says, "Well, we think there could be some kind of interesting vibe to the whole area which i don't doubt it could be an interesting vibe but what does that mean it's um uh, i don't know i i I felt like we kind of had to drag a lot out of him in that and we didn't really get many answers to things i mean maybe that's just me but um i i i don't know i don't know what to make of all that and uh and that was requested by some of our members on the message boards that they wanted to hear him. So we did it, and uh, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we did it our way. And then we made up for uh, that with Greg Bishop. Oh, great guy. And uh, another one that uh, is as sick of the bullshit as we are. And maybe uh, he's the one who said you can't have a researcher and a therapist at the same time. Was it him? I think I think, I think so. I think so. Um and and you know he's a, he's another one that that goes out and talks to people directly and um and, and then writes up exactly what he finds out. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, I don't think with Greg you have to think about. I wonder if he's lying or I wonder if he's making this up to make a good story. Uh, I think he I think he really sticks to the facts, and I think he's a great researcher and uh, um. It, and and again, he he too sees the DMT connection thing. He was one of the ones that said that uh, uh, the Spirit Molecule was probably one of the most important books written about this in a while too. So, mm. yeah, I mean, uh, he's a uh, he, he's got a hell of a lot to talk about, and he's and he's talked to so many people over the years that um, uh, I think probably <coughs> excuse me, I think probably. For my money, Greg's maybe got a better handle on this stuff than most, although I think he'd disagree. <laughs> well, that's what makes him have I, a better I, I handle think, on it than most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very down-to-earth guy. Yeah. I mean, he's the guy I want to meet at a press conference and hang out with. <laughs> absolutely. Press conference, absolutely. Uh, UFO conference, whatever the hell I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, episode 14, Stanton Friedman. Someone noted that I think we got off four questions, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which isn't bad if you Stan know Stan, can... you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't really get to ask him as much as I would have liked, you know, um, you know, like, are you sure it's ETH? Right. <laughs> Cause I'm pretty sure we just slayed that one out in the hallway. <laughs> um, <laughs> twice. Uh, He's a very important researcher of our time. Um, I mean, what the hell can you say about this guy? Um, 
he's a great researcher to me, but I think he draws a lot of conclusions that I think point to something that we just don't have any evidence for. Yeah. So I mean, you can, uh, I, res- I respect him immensely and what he's done for this because he really has been the voice of, of reason and, um, very articulate and concise and actually doing the work uh, of looking up freedom of information work, documents yeah. and trying to yeah. verify and all that. And I, I think people who do, you know, want to try to get rid of him, uh, in some way, um, aren't, aren't separating his conclusions from his research. His conclusions are his own. And, you know, sometimes you'll agree, sometimes you won't, uh, but the research is good. Yeah, he's a stand up guy. I mean, you know, I I think that uh I don't know. I think he takes that pedestrian view. <laughs> um and I'm I'd be almost willing to say he's been the purveyor of that for quite a while. Like I, I always hate to hear him say something like, you know, well, you know, why are they here? Well they're here to keep an eye on them, you know, when you you don't go out and contact somebody unless they can come out and do things to you that you don't want done to you. And this, that, now I'm like, you know, this is all very, you know, second guessing the alien mind and uh, attaching a, a, a incredibly human trait to something that's clearly not human. And um, I always disagree with that. And, and I think he said that on our show that, you know, we don't want to. We, they don't want us bringing our brand of friendship out there and right out where. Out well, where? you know, part of it is like he's also a caricature of himself at this point, you know, and he's got that whole. Yeah, he's got his little catchphrases, and he's got the um the sort of catch topics in the way he talks about this. You know, they're they're guardians of the planet or gatekeepers. They're they're keeping us right. quarantined here. You know, all that stuff. I mean, um, you know, who even knows if he believes it anymore? He just. Can't stop saying it. It's like ingrained well, in him. Well, I, I think it's. I don't think it's just that. I think that so many people now associate that he said so many pointed and conclusionary things about this that I don't feel like he thinks he can turn around. I would be very interested to sit down with a couple of you know Guinness Stouts with him and say, you know, what do you really think, Stan? I mean, do you really think it's this? Do you really, really, truly believe it? Or is there an inkling in you that you're wrong and it might be something much grander and deeper and more based in, you know, the stuff we talk about predominantly on here? Um, I bet you there's something in him that says, you know, yeah, Valet's got a point. And, you know, I just I think he's too far into it. He feels like he probably can't back out of it now at this late stage in the game. And uh and I think he could. And I think if he did, I think he'd almost be a bigger name than he is now. Well we sort of got him to say, you know, you know we got him to talk a little bit about dimensions and stuff and, and he but yeah. you know, basically what he said was um quantum uh theory is just theory and so right. he can't deal with that. He wants to deal in facts, and it seems like that is the biggest cop out I've ever heard a scientist say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Um, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, again, he's he's looped into his his theory, and I don't, I don't, I feel like he thinks he can't escape it if he wanted to. Or maybe he doesn't want to. I mean, he's made all, all right up to this point. So what's the point? In, you know, don't fix it if it ain't yeah. broke. So. True. Uh, let's see. Cattle mutilations. Rob Ruser and his grandfather. 
Uh, I love Rob. Really bad show. <laughs> People liked uh, the show. I was surprised. They they did. I was surprised too. I, I just, um, you know, the clincher for me was, um, yes, sir. I, I get what you're saying. Did you call outside of your 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 grid lines to find out if there were anything outside? No, he didn't. That for me rendered pretty much the, you know, excuse me, the grid theorem relatively useless because if you don't have a control. Uh, point to check with, or many control points, control samples to check with, really doesn't mean that much. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's that was strictly my take on it, but that seems like pretty much basic research. Um, and uh, how do you qualify a cattle mutilation? What what was the <laughs> was it just a dead cow <laughs> on a on a farm every forty miles? Well. You know, that would stand a reason, wouldn't it? Um, and he had never really gone out to see these mutilations. Like, were they all the same thing? You know, uh, rectum cord out, you know, big parts of the milk sack cut and the jawline stripped to the bone, that kind of thing. Was that what they were? Well, I don't know because he didn't go uh, to look at these. So, I don't know. I find a great many holes in that. And unfortunately, we didn't find that out to almost the very end of the show. Right. Um, but still very nice people to come on and talk with us. And, yeah. I like some of the peripheral issues, and, you know, trying to ferret out whether, you know, is this yeah. military, is this, uh, you know, going down the list of things. And he seemed to be adamant that it couldn't be, you know, and especially, yeah. you know, considering that it's Canada <laughs> and not the U S right. you know, it's not the big bad right. U S air force. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't say that. I don't say that he, all his points were wrong. I just think that, uh, you know, the, the, the theorem that he come up with that wasn't exactly sound for me. Right. Um, but, uh, but Rob's a great guy. And, and again, we really appreciate him coming on and doing that with his pop. And, uh, um, you know, it was frankly for me, the best part was just talking with Rob and, and his granddad and, uh, kind of chilling out for a couple hours, but I don't find a lot to the, the theorems that they had. Episode 16. The X Conference Road Trip 09. Oh. <laughs> I, you know, it needed more cowbell. This it definitely needed more Ritzman. It was like, <laughs> yeah, God, right. what can we do to not make this the Jeremy Vaney show? I know. Let's just make it the Jeremy Vaney show. I mean, there was really nothing that I could right. do. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great. It was time. a great time. It was fun. It was great to hear uh, John Flynn's perspective as an yeah, outsider. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and to meet Eric for the first time. Meeting Eric was the high point, yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you say about an ex-conference? <laughs> I say, God, I wish you had been there, you know? I, I really wish you had seen... Well, I mean, you got the DVDs, <laughs> yeah. so you did see them on DVD, and that's good, but... I did, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, we want to get Colin Andrews on this show. Something awful. And... Uh, he, I, I wrote him not long after the X conference that my email probably got lost in the shuffle from that. But, um, yeah, I watched his presentation there. Um, and, and it, again, it falls right in line with what we've been talking about. And he, the way, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here. It sounds to me like 
he tried to talk about this stuff before and kind of didn't get a good response, so he dropped away from it for a while. Am I right in saying that? Um, yeah, well, what he, I think what he had said was that from a certain period of time, the majority of those uh, crop formations in X amount of fields were, uh, were man-made. And right. the story that that then became was Colin Andrews says all crop circle for- formations are are hoaxes are fake, and right. um, yeah, that's not that's not that's what not what he meant yeah. at all, and that that's not even what he said. <laughs> but um, right. it, you know, also the reason that he knew that about those formations is that he was doing uh, he had groups doing covert um, you know field ops type stuff like sitting out there and and watching these things all night. Um, Right. So, uh, yeah. So he got basically pooped on for that and um, left for a while. And this was his sort of yeah. coming back. Yeah. And when he came back, you know, he's essentially saying that uh, uh, there is a phenomenon. Whether people are involved in making crop circles or not is really irrelevant. Uh, it's what they're doing. And, uh, I mean,. Again, one of the stories that he told was two brothers drew up a crop circle, kept it to themselves, said, we're going to make this tomorrow night. Right. Yep. Okay. No problem. And uh, the one brother fell ill. They, they didn't go out to make the crop circle. They didn't go out to do it. And yet it still appeared in the same field and it was their design. Right. Um, and there are other various things like his his partner – who at the time of the X conference was gravely ill. Um, Pat Del- Pat sorry, Delgado. Pat Pat Delgado. Um, I was just thinking about him today for no apparent reason. That name popped in my head. Um, but um, uh, you know, Pat going into the center of a of a formation and feeling a pull, and and Colin looking over at him and seeing him you know, leaning back at an absurd angle that he couldn't possibly have stood on his own that way. And he, Pat said he felt like he was being pulled in it. And literally Colin had to drag him out with all his force to get the center of the circle to let go of him. Um, and, uh, and, and oddly enough, that kind of coincides with something that, um, help me out here. Graham Hancock, <laughs> Graham Hancock, uh, Jeff had said, um, uh, things about fairy circles and, and, you know, going into the center of a fairy circle meant you could be pulled into another world and that kind of thing. So much like you said, when we were talking about this before is, you know, what would have happened if Pat had just gone, (laughs) you know, what would have happened? Um, uh, Various sounds being recorded uh, in these crop circles, sounds from trees in the local area being recorded that are very, very weird. Um, high strangeness abounds, man. It's like, it's everywhere out there with that, the, with that stuff. And, uh, yeah. And the, the and, tree and, sounds were know. the same range as dolphin and, uh, Navy right. submarine sonar. So right. I, I found that to be right. fascinating. Cause that just reminds me of like M night Shyamalan's the happening, you know, it's like nature is talking to itself using right. sonar and, and, uh, it's only a matter of time before it kills us off. Right. I mean, or loves us. If it, that's what crop circles are about. I mean, I, I was genuinely fascinated with crop circles when I thought it was something anomalous making them. 
And 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 Colin even said there are some that are anom- an- anomalously made, but the majority are man-made. But that doesn't matter. Well, ordinarily that would matter to me, but understanding the work that he's done and 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 you know the the statements that he made, I find it more fascinating now than I did when I thought it was something. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I mean, it crop circles. And it is weird. <laughs> they immediately went out of my trash yeah. basket and went straight into, yeah, the stuff's really happening. So that was the yeah. effect that yeah. his speech had on me. And also interesting, of course, uh, was that he, um, says that there was a, a push to make this stuff, to relate this stuff to UFOs by Jenny Randall's and by, um, the British, uh, government. Right. 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 Um, for whatever so reason, they, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it is. It is. But the whole, I think, point of his presentation, he said, was that this is nothing to do with UFOs and everything to do with human consciousness and perception, uh, focus and intent, which you and I have talked about ad nauseum on here. So, um, again, you know. Right. All these connective things, just from every different Which then angle. leads to Steve Bassett jumping on stage and saying, well, if, if just one of these hoax circles is not a hoax but aliens, then we're right. You know, like, oh, well, and you know what that led to, Steve? You'll, you'll, I hope you're uh, listening. And um, pick up the next issue of uh, UFO Magazine, because you're, you're going to be in for a surprise. <laughs> one very Yes, I, I wrote a little article. Uh, that will probably uh, I will probably be disinvited to any future X conferences. Uh, now I've been I've been critical of them in the past, but now I actually just flat out think they're a cult. I, I honest yeah. to God think that there's some form of and, and you know and I heard that um, some of those guys are were into Scientology and, and I bet that's it. It oh. just sort of bled oh. over when they left Scientology. They they formed the Disclosure Movement um, and that just sealed the deal. It was like. You know, I listened to Alfred Weber's presentation. He's the guy who coined the term exopolitics. Um, I, you know, it was pretty clear. It's pretty clear what's going on there. And Steve, for his part, has always been able to try to disassociate himself from all of that by saying, look, I don't believe in that stuff necessarily. I just want disclosure for disclosure's sake. Right. Um, but that can't be true. Um, it just simply can't because it's built into... I mean, if the guy who invented the term exopolitics is the crazy guy <laughs> and and you're wow. following the crazy guy, that makes you one oh. of the crazy guys. <laughs> <laughs> it ended for me over a year ago, uh, not this, conf- this conference past, but the one before where he stood up and pounded his fist. And I've talked about this before. You know, stood there and pounded his fist and stared you in the face and said it is absolutely verified, concretely – you know, extraterrestrial. What? How do you know yeah, that? Yeah, I... Are you out of your mind? Oh, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, and, and then I, that launched me into a fucking rant uh, into your tape recorder. But, you know, that that did it for me right there. I mean, he's... he's uh, I don't think there's a shred of credibility left in that whole thing. And, you know, they can say what they want, but that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. Unfortunate that, you know... They do have a couple of good speakers every year that are worth listening to. Um, and then, of course, Bassett stands up when they're done and shits all over them about extraterrestrials. So, 
What are you going to do? Well, th- this is it. I mean, and this is why I'll, I'll just give it to you so you don't have to buy the magazine. The reason that I, I think I've figured out that this is a cult is that, you know, prior to really paying attention to what Weber had to say, um, you know, I, I was under the mistaken impression that the problem is that Steve Bassett has charlatans up there and delusional people up with credible people. And if he would just get rid of the bad people and have the good people, he'd have a great conference. Uh, but when, when you see Weber who invented the term exopolitics is crazy, um, or at least is, is just coming at this from such a delusional point of view. Um, well, then you see that, 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 that he can't get rid of the crazy people. And that, in fact, he doesn't care whether you're credible or crazy as long as you play within right. the parameters of of the disclosure movement. So they set up these false boundaries, much like a religion. They set up these false boundaries around the unknown, and then they argue from within those false boundaries. And if you argue uh, – so whether you're a, a good researcher, again, or a bad one, it doesn't matter as long as you're in that boundary – and the second Colin Andrews made it clear that he wasn't playing within those boundaries, Bassett had to get up there and put it right back yeah. in that boundary. He had to reframe, recontextualize Colin Andrews, even though we heard him all with our own ears, uh, right back into disclosure because that's his belief system. His belief system doesn't right. work otherwise. Well, anybody who says they don't care about credibility, that doesn't matter to them. <laughs> what more has to be said? Yeah. Bye. <laughs> That's why that zombie's laying over there on the floor. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> yes. Bruce <laughs> Maccabee and Gulf Breeze was next. That was great. Um, I've known Bruce for... Jesus. That was like going to school, that episode. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, I've known him for so many years, it's ridiculous. Um I can't even remember the year that I met him the first time, but there's a guy right there that he doesn't care who you are or, or what you, th- you know, if you have a question for him, he's glad to sit down anytime and talk to you about it. Um, very giving with his time. Um, damn dogged researcher. I mean, he's, he's really on something until the bitter end with it. And, uh, um, and one of his biggest being, the golf breeze thing. Bruce is coming back uh, next month to do a show. I think on what the New Zealand stuff, right? Sure. Uh, so we're going to do that, and uh, he's going to be pretty regular around here. So, um, and he's advanced know. in age, so it's really hard for him to be regular. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't even couldn't even say that evil without killing it. Sorry. You're an asshole. <laughs> um, anyway. God, I love um, myself. Clearly. Um, <laughs> um, no, I mean, Gulf Breeze being one of the biggest ones and still being one of the ones that I'm probably the most interested in that whole area. If you can visit Gulf Breeze, I still encourage people to go because it's uh, not only is it a beautiful area and everything, but there's... I, I still believe if if the people down there organized into another Skywatch, I think sightings would start happening again. I really do. I th- I think it. I think they showed up because people showed up to see them. So, the end. Kevin Randall tackles abductions. 
That was a great show. Yeah, it was good to not talk about... Actually, the only people talking about Roswell on that show were you and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I think, um, I think again, with the ETH thing, uh, I mean, he certainly leaves the door open for other possibilities, but uh, I think we kind of disagreed on um, what we may or may not have in the way of advanced technology and that kind of thing. But overall, I think we agreed with him about the abduction stuff. I think we agreed that a lot of people shouldn't be uh, using hypnotherapy to recover memories and that that has really set the tone for what this enigma, as far as contact experiences, they've, the, the, the bad stuff has set the tone for what people think that it is. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think well, largely with a, with a great deal of stuff, we agreed with him. Uh, on his findings with that book. I, I was under the impression, looking on the net and what have you, that, you know, he thought all abductions were garbage. All of it was, you know, sleep paralysis and, and that kind of thing. So, um, again, a very nice guy and um, somebody I'd like to have on the show again to talk about something other than Roswell, maybe another case that he's worked on. Yeah. Yeah, and I hope he sort of takes our advice and keeps going with his abduction research and looks into DMT and looks into other possibilities. But yeah, uh, probably won't happen. <laughs> well, I sent but, him the, the books, so but one can dream. Yeah. Um. All right. And last episode, of course, was Brendan Duhan. Brendan D. Um. <sighs> Uh, no, Jeff. Jeff, wake up! Not not that he's boring. He he just he's no. He's, he's such a calming man. He puts he he just he makes you so relaxed. Uh, <laughs> um, again, another guest that has a hell of a lot more to talk about and a lot more to say. And I don't even think we got to a lot of what he wanted to talk about. Um, courage out the wazoo. I mean, there's not a lot more you can say about that. He had some significant shared experiences with people down there that I think speak to having to redefine what, you know, what a psychedelic experience is uh, and what people are seeing. Um, But a lot of courage for a guy to go down there by himself to a place where there is no hospital. uh, There is no ambulance coming to get you if you have a problem. It's just you and five people and a shaman and a bucket of shit that makes you see weird stuff. So, <laughs> it makes uh, you puke. Yeah, it makes you throw up. So that's that's just that's courage beyond uh anything I got, I'll tell you that. So um I I think he reinforces my notion that we have to seriously reevaluate what we mean when we say hallucin you know, hallucination. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um and I think he verified. I mean, we thought he was going to come on and, and kind of disagree more about uh, what what Dennis McKenna and Terrence and uh, you know Strassman had talked about with all, all of these experiences. But really, uh, to me, it kind of uh, reiterated some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we discussed dosage and uh, how much dosage is enough to be able to break through to these kind of experiences is a question. And, um, yeah, well, I think what he disagreed with was, um, you know, the repeatability, right. The notion that everybody sees these things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it, I'm sure it is varied, but based on all of the variables that make us people. So, um, yeah, but that was a great show too. Is that it? Is that that's that's what we've done, huh? That's nineteen. This is twenty. And this episode, holy crap! <laughs> yes, it's just it's goddamn gold. What can you say? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I hope people enjoyed it, and we got twenty more coming down the pike. So yes. Although I may may have to apologize, we uh, recorded uh, Rob Beck, who you might know as Rob Father from Erie Radio, right? Um, doing. Uh, trying to talk as much as we can, although really the answer is nothing. Uh, the, the the deal with geology and the paranormal, you know, what is it with these limestone and granite uh, formations and deposits um, and the paranormal? Why, why is there that connection? Right. Um, but I, I have audio problems. I don't know the extent of them. Um, so there might be little sections that stutter along and, and maybe I can do something about it. Maybe I can't, but yeah. I just want to apologize in advance in case I can't. Um, but it shouldn't be. I don't think know, it's that horrible. Horribly. Yeah. I think you can still get the idea um, of what he was talking about. So, I mean, uh, I think that's a good show. I really do. Cause I think that dispels a lot of myths that people think about this, uh, you know, why are places built on granite and limestone with running water? Why are they always haunted? You know, I think we've heard that on ghost hunters a lot. And, um, and Rob talks a lot about, uh, you know, what he thinks of that theory and how there's maybe not much to it, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is good. So, you know, that's, uh, that's dispelling a myth. That's what we want to do. Yup. Oh, yep. I guess, um, I thought I had did I not tell on this show? I know on Culture Contact I posted the the Pat Marcatillo speech I gave where I started off with my Nancy Burson story about sitting in her bathroom. But I thought I'd also reiterated it on this show at some point. Did I not? Because there were a couple of people on the forum who said, Yeah, please tell it, we want to hear it. And I thought, hmm, didn't didn't we do this already? I don't think you did on this show. All right. Well, if you'd then like I will... to, then please do that right now because yes, I'm gonna get, I, get well, some nicotine. I told them <laughs> you you go to the bathroom. Ah, good. I told them that I would. So here's here's that bit. Nancy Burson is this woman who uh, wrote a book called Lineage, which is uh, who the hell knows what it's about. I tried to read it. I tried to review it for UFO magazine. Um, I met her when I was doing the first Culture of Contact conference. So I was going to I was going around looking for places to hold it, um, and one of the places was called Meta Center. So I went in there with. Um, with uh, Alan Steinfeld, who's showing me around. And um, we went in in the middle of um, of someone's presentation, you know, meditation horseshit. Um, yeah, and so at the end of that, you know, we sat in on that for a while. And at the end, he introduced, oh, and Nancy Burson's here. And she got a big round of applause. And, you know, she's going to be holding this uh, workshop where if you bring your camera, you can film orbs in the room and you can watch the Statue of Mary dance. It's like, what is this about? So I introduced myself to her after and she was, um, oddly enough, skeptical of me because uh, people in the New Age world don't necessarily believe abductees and, and all of that. But when she realized that, uh, ironic, right? But when she realized that I wrote for UFO Magazine, it was like, oh, here's a way to get my book reviewed. Um, so actually, she invited me to her house. She claims that she has a little 
uh, statue of Mary, of uh, the Virgin Mary, that dances, that, that miraculously dances. Um, and she further claims that she met these uh, light beings in a crop circle uh, over in England that aren't extraterrestrial. They're, they call themselves extracelestials. And they visit her by coming through a portal in her bathroom. So, <laughs> I went to her house, and um, I, I sat on her shitter, <laughs> and she sat on the floor in front of me. No, actually, I think, I think I'm wrong about that. I think she gave me a chair to sit on in there. And, um, it, but she did sit on the floor in front of me, and she pl- and turned out the lights, put the statue of Mary on the edge of the bathtub, turned on the radio, and like various just odd songs came on, like Girls Just Want to Have Fun. She, and she started rocking out to girls just want to have fun. And it was just awkward because she's one of those, um, like, you meet her and she's, like, completely, like, frigid and uptight. And you think, like, the most humorless person on earth. But here she is rocking out to girls just want to have fun. Uh, and she's like, do you see it? Do you see the Statue of Mary dancing? And, um, you know, I'm squinting at this glow-in-the-dark Statue of Mary. And sure enough... <laughs> It starts moving around the way um, a glow-in-the-dark object tends to, you know, the illusion of movement happens. Uh, and that's what I saw. <laughs> so, um, but no no beings stepped through the portal or any of that. So, we go back to the living room and, you know, she she's, at some point, you know, we're, we're chit-chatting or whatever. And she's showing me pictures of these miraculous orbs with faces and you know, light exploding from people's hands and all this stuff. Keep in mind, she's a professional photographer, so probably not hard to uh, dupe this stuff. In any event, uh, oh, she's also one of those who in her book, you know, talks about um, her uh, her indigo child. And I met her indigo child, uh, and he had, um, this miraculous little, little beautiful boy, uh, was basically under house arrest because he uh, had been caught by, not the landlord, but the... Uh, the maintenance man or whatever of the building uh, had caught him doing graffiti up on the roof. So, so that's what little genius was up to. Um, but he seemed like a nice enough kid, especially given the crazy mom he has to live with. Um, and he seemed, you know, it was really weird because he was kind of receptive to like when she was like, you know, okay, I'm bringing him into the bathroom to see Mary dance now, you know? And he was just like, Oh, okay. You know, it was like acceptable to him. Like, there was, wasn't even like a wink and a nod. Like I expected if I would look over to him, he'd give me that, I'm sorry, kind of <laughs> look. But no, there was nothing like that. Uh, so anyway, so we're, we're in the living room talking. And um, and at some point she says, do you see them? Do you, do you see the, the extra celestials? They're, they're flying in. They're, they, they, I'm like, no, what are you seeing? She's like, they look like little blue balls of light. You don't see them? I'm like, no. So... I start telling her, she wants to hear my story, so I start telling her, you know, some of my abduction stuff or whatever. Um, and she says, they're talking to me now. They're, she she channels them, she hears them. And, and I, oh, really, yeah, she's like, they're telling me, they're telling me something about you. They're telling me that you need to get a sense of humor about things. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I knew that... <laughs> All of this was absolutely real. No, that, uh, <laughs> that I, I, I should get out of there and never look back. So that's what I did. Uh, so that's my Nancy Burson story. So if if you look at her pictures and you're like, wow, orbs, they're real. Well, you know, 
we're at the end of our show, so let's not go into it now. But Jeff, I'm sure, can clear you up on exactly what orbs are. Uh, and this is not to say that some form of orb type thing doesn't exist. I've seen one. Uh, it was about the size of a large marble. It was smaller than a golf ball. I've mm-hmm. talked about this before. There was a time when I was meditating uh, on my bed in my old apartment where, it, I'll just say it, uh, it was one of those rare times when I felt uh, as if whatever was in me was some sort of Buddhist archetype. Um, and I based that on the facial gymnastics and the sort of feeling that I was getting um, that I then saw at a flea market on a statue of a Buddha. It was like the exact same thing. Like I immediately identified it and went, oh, that was in me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, whatever state that, that was that I was in, um, I saw come in through my closed window this small BB-sized or large marble-sized uh, white ball of light. It just sort of floated in through the closed window. Uh, I had the impression that it was alive. It was sentient. It was just seeing who had entered its field of perception and sort of, you know, metaphorically shrugged its shoulders. So it was me and moved back out through the closed window. So, you know, I know that that type of thing exists. I know Teokas and Ghost Horse um, uh, of the Lakota has said that, yeah, you know, orbs are no big deal to them. They've, they've known about this forever. Um, so something like that does exist. But the stuff that these people are photographing and, and passing off as, you know, these giant orbs with, like, faces in them and all that sort of stuff um, is just nonsense and uh, bugs <laughs> and dust. Wow. And all of that. And in fact, when I was at a an X conference and I was sitting next to Alan Steinfeld, he had these little kids next to him. And he was taking pictures of the ceiling, of the lights on the ceiling, and there were all these orbs, you know. And he was, like, telling the kids, he's like, look, the the orbs, look. They, th- this is where they like to hang out. They like to hang out by the light. I'm like, no, Alan, the dust hangs out by the light. That's what you're, that's what you're filming there, Alan, you know. Oh. It's like, duh. It's just, after a while, it's all duh. Um... So that's the story. So, I, yeah, I don't buy any of it. And she's the woman who actually also uh, claims that she had emitted gold pellets that have some sort of healing property. And I don't remember if it was that or something that, like, a, a guru from India gave her. But there was some sort of powder she had that she wanted me to ingest that would bring me, like, if I wished for something, healing or something, whatever I concentrated on, it would it would bring me, but I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put that on my tongue. I'm not going to put, because even if it's not like drugged, even if she's, even if she's like on the up and up, I'm not putting ash from some fucking guru's ball sack on my tongue. You know, like that's not going to happen. Uh, so, uh, but I did rub it on my arm or something like that. And I did make wishes that night. I did test this out and it of course didn't work. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, now, thank you, you and you, you want to talk about Brandon D having some cojones to do what he did. Let me tell you who else has got balls. Jeremy <laughs> Vaney. He went into a darkened New York City bathroom with a woman he barely knew to stare at a statue of Mary that glowed in the dark. Anybody who says that doesn't take balls is out of their mind. I was pretty sure I could take her in a fight. Ugh. <laughs> oh. No, I'm just silly. I'm just like completely stupid, you know. Like Jeez, I'll, she could have opened up with it. She could have came at you with a butcher knife in the dark. I mean, yeah. come on. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, anyway, I, you know, uh, that's uh, that's 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 like the kind of persons that you usually would move away from in a crowd. 
Right. You go to their house. <laughs> when you have an opportunity like that. Well, it's like, here's this woman who charges money yeah. for you to do this and makes these outlandish claims. I mean, when somebody makes an outlandish claim to me, mm-hmm. like in my movie, you know, where I go to the mountaintop and this guy, Mark Olson, is like, hey, you know, I've got these lights, uh, these objects, they're they're in the sky and, and no one believes me. Come bring a camera. They're not going away. It's like that's such an outlandish claim to to ask somebody to bring a camera and come. It's the same thing with her. Here's a woman who charges money and says, look, if you bring a camera to my little seminar or whatever, you're going to see aliens or extra celestials. You're going to be able to film them. Right. You just and I asked her how you do that. She's like, well, you just hang your uh, camera out the window and take a picture and you're going to see orbs. They're going to be there. <laughs> well, that could yeah. be, you know, it's New York, so you're talking about lights, you know, anything out that window. But, um, you know, so when she says, look, you're going to see this Statue of Mary dance and you're going to meet extra celestial beings coming from my tub. It's so freaking outlandish that I have to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and and part of me is like, well, geez, I'd really like for that to be true. I mean, oh. how could she honestly invite me to her apartment and have it not be true? Well, the answer is, uh, she sees them and you don't. So it's true for her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're just insane. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's that. Yeah. What is, what is that, the phone? Dude, no one ever calls us in here. What should I do? Uh, pfft, what should I do? Get it? Okay. Hello? What's the problem? Come on, I'll take you home. In the great green room, there was a telephone and a red balloon and a picture of the cow jumping over the moon. And there were three little bears sitting on chairs, and two little kittens, and a pair of mittens, and a little toy house, and a young mouse, and a comb, and a brush, and a bowl full of mush, and a quiet old lady who was whispering hush. Good night, room. Good night, moon. <laughs>